One thing I've, I've, taught, I've taught on the life of Abraham and different parts of his life, but I've never taught through the life of Abraham. And so what I thought we'd do is we'd look at his life over this fall and learn some tremendous things about this chosen father of Israel. If you'll allow me, I want to just take us and do a brief survey of the first 11 chapters that gets us to chapter 12 of Genesis, all right? The first chapter, first two chapters of Genesis we know is the creation and the retelling of the, the creation story from a different perspective. So if you want to read about the creation of the world and how God did it, you read Genesis chapter 1 and chapter 2. And we know when we get to Genesis chapter 3, we know that deals with the fall of man. Whenever they were tempted by the serpent and they succumbed to that temptation and sin entered into the world. And it radically changed our world from being perfect to being sinful, to letting the old evil one be in charge. In chapter 4, if you're following through there, I would say it's the results of sin. What was one of the results of sin? Well, Cain killed his brother Abel. That's about as bad as it can get, isn't it? That one brother would kill another brother. And it really was over one's worship being accepted and the other one's not being accepted because they didn't offer it by faith. And then the aspect of Cain and the mark upon Cain and the heavy burden that he felt like he was going to have to bear, that's the results of sin. In chapter 5 then, it talks about the descendants of Adam. The descendants of Adam. How, how all of that follows through and it gives you a list of everybody who begat everybody and how long they lived. In, in the midst of that, you find some interesting people. One of those people was Enoch. Remember Enoch, don't you? He was the man who walked with God and then was no more. Uh, he, one, as one person said, he was walking with God, and God said, well, we're closer to my house than yours, so why don't we just go to my house? And, and so that was in the lineage of Adam, but it, it tells us about who his descendants were. Then whenever we get to the, to the chapter 6, very quickly, we end up in seeing the corruption of man. How corrupt? Now, from a perfect beginning in chapter 1 and chapter 2, it only takes us four chapters to get to be so corrupt that, that God is sorry that he made man and is going to judge man. All right? That's how, how sin takes over. But in the midst of, of that corruption, he, always, he also introduces us to a man named Noah, who was a righteous man, righteous man among these corrupt men. And through Noah, then, there's going to be the salvation of the human race. And so we find that happens in chapter 7 and 8 is the record of the flood. When the flood came and it destroyed all of human life except those who were in the ark with Noah and his family. And then after they experienced the flood, then the flood dissipated and they began and recreated the earth. You find out, though, in chapter 9 about Noah and his family, and you find out that Noah, even though he was a righteous man, he wasn't perfect, was he? No, he gets out there, and whenever he grows his vineyard, what does he do? He gets drunk and starts acting kind of crazy and undresses and all these other things that are happening. He, and, and then his, his son uh, looked upon him, and, and, and he cursed his son in relationship to him. Observing him. Then in chapter 10, you see the descendants of, of Noah, and he gives you a whole list of there. We come to chapter 11, the first part, and it is about the 
Tower of Babel. You remember that? The Tower of Babel. Whenever they, they all came together and, and they all had the same language and they all were creative and they decided they're going to build a tower where they can get and reach God and, and be where God is. And God sees them and says, well, man, if they're going to be this wicked and they're going to be that kind of wicked and put all their minds together and communicate with each other, I might just better confuse them. And so he caused them to have babble. In other words, they're confusing their language. They don't understand each other, and it causes them to separate and spread across the world. The opposite of the Tower of Babel is the day of Pentecost, whenever their men were speaking language that they didn't know so that somebody could hear the gospel. And then you find at the end of chapter 11 are the descendants of Shem. And the reason it gives the descendants of Shem is because Shem is one of the sons of Noah, and it is Shem who is chosen whereby... There's going to be this creation of the nation of Israel. Because down the lineage of Shem, you finally find out that there's a man named Terah. And you find out that he has a son, and his son is named Abram. Abram, or we later call him Abraham. That brings us to chapter 12. And chapter 12 is where we are introduced to this man Abram. And Abraham. And it, I would just say it this way. So, something happens, something unusual happens in chapter 12. If, if in your Bibles, I, I'd put an asterisk or I'd put a star by chapter 12. And, and the reason that asterisk or, 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 or little star you put there is because something unusual happens here. Uh, up to this point, God has been involved in their lives and And there have been some righteous men like an Enoch. There have been righteous men like a Noah. There's been this. But it's almost like God has been dealing with them from afar. It's like God has been watching them from afar. And he's been seeing and, and judging them from afar. But not in chapter 12. In chapter 12, something happens. He gets, here's Jehovah God, who gets up close and personal with a man. I'm talking about he's going to get up close and personal with this man named Abram. Now, only the sovereignty of God, only the providence of God knows why of all of these people that God saw in Abram that he was going to be the one who was going to be the father of his nation. He, He was going to be the one who was the father of faith. He's going to be the one that, who, through whom he's going to birth the nation of Israel. That powerful, wonderful, glorious nation of God's chosen people. And all of that's going to happen through Abram. Now, they, there was the lineage from Adam, and there's the lineage from Noah, and there's the lineage from Shem, but it all comes down to Abram and Abraham. And, and so I want you to see how, how he gets up and close with with Abraham, and I want you to see that how it relates to you and me. He's going to do the same thing. The same thing that he is doing with Abram is he's going to do with us whenever he wants to be up close and personal. And, and put you a little note right there. He does want to be up close and personal. Do you realize that? Do you understand that? That our God is a God who wants to be up close and personal with you. Matter of fact, he... He goes beyond even what he does in the Old Testament and he sends his son to die on a cross to forgive you of your sins so he can come and dwell in your heart. Not, not be on the outside looking in, but be on the inside looking out of your life. That's how up close and personal he wants to be. 
And, and that first happens here with this man Abram. So how does that start? It's on the very first phrase of chapter 12. Here's what it says. Now the Lord said to Abram. You need to circle that word said. Now the, the Lord said to Abram. How does he get personal with Abram? Well, this is how he does it. This creator God, this creator God is the God who speaks, who speaks to this man. It's not Abram. It doesn't say anything about Abram is seeking after God. He might have been, but it doesn't say one thing about that. His father might have been that man of faith and took those initial steps, and Abram is following in his footsteps, but it doesn't say a thing about that. What it does tell us is whenever this conversation starts and whenever this relationship starts, it started by God. And it started by God because God says to him, God speaks to him. Now, why is that important? Because God does the same thing to you and me today as he did with Abraham. God wants to have a relationship with us, and the way he has a relationship with us is he speaks to us. We have a God who speaks to us, who communicates to us, who wants to say things to us. From the very point of our salvation experience where he would convict us of sin, righteousness, and judgment and point us to the cross and point us to Jesus and to help us to understand that to whatever issues are in our life, our God wants to speak to us. And, and he, he does it. Now the Lord said to Abram. Now the Lord said to Abram. Now what is he going to say to Abram? Well, here's, here's the categories, all right? We're going to have three categories right here. The first thing is he is going to give instruction to Abram. He's going, to, he's going to tell him what he wants him to do. It's pretty challenging what he's going to ask him to do. It might not be challenging when you read this text because you're not there. You're not living there. But if, but if, but if he asked you to do it in your house today, it'd be challenging, all right? So there's this time of instruction. He's going to tell him what to do. And then he's going to give him some promises, three promises of what he's going to do for Abram. And then he goes beyond that and says, and if you will do what I command you to do, this is, this is based on his willingness to do it, then I'm going to give you three more promises that relate to how I'm going to use you and what great things are going to happen. So get in your mind, he's going to give instruction, then he's going to give three promises he's going to automatically do, and then he's going to give three promises that he's going to do if Abram is willing to do what he tells him to do. So here's, what, here's the instruction. Here's the first instruction. Go forth from your country, that's one, and from your relatives, that's two, and from your father's house to the land which I will show you. Three things he says that Abram is going to have to do. Now, Abram is living in Ur of Chaldees. It's the Chaldean land. It's, it would be what we would call Mesopotamia if you were in, in western Siv. That, that's where they lived in, in the Euphrates-Tigris river valleys. And that's where they were. He, he, tells, he tells him he's, he's lived here, he's grown up all of his life, he's lived in his father's house, he, he's known this country, he knows all this stuff about it. And here comes God who introduces himself by speaking to this man. And his first word that he speaks to that man is a command. Okay, I want you to do something. I want you to do something. 
And here's what I want you to do. The first thing is, I want you to leave your country. I, I want you to leave your country. Now, that, that means, first of all, I want you to leave. First thing I'm asking you is to leave everything familiar. Do you realize, do you realize how, how familiar our country is to us? I don't know, but have you ever traveled outside this country and, and gone and done mission work or gone and traveled somewhere and everybody in that country speaks a different language than what you speak and you have no idea what they're saying? All right. Does that make you feel uncomfortable? It does me. Especially when they talk and looking at me and start laughing. You know what I mean? And, and you're thinking, well, I, am I the joke or what's happening here? You know and, Hold on a second. It's not just our country. Just go up to New York City or Boston and go up there and you'll feel like you're in a different country. Or go to Miami and you will be in a different country. Or go to New Orleans and you can't understand what they said in that country anyway. But do you understand whenever you leave the familiar? But what we like is our, our country. We like our place. We, like, we know if we need to go to the mall, we know how to get there. If we need a doctor, we know where he's located. We love the familiar. Familiar makes us comfortable. And all of a sudden, God says to Abraham, all right, I want you to leave your country. I want you to leave everything that's familiar to you. Everything's familiar, but that's not all. And I want you to leave and go forth from your relatives. Well, who are your relatives? Your relatives are your base of support, aren't they? They're your base of support. I mean, whenever you, whenever you get a sick baby and you need some help staying up at night or help taking care of them or you've got to take care of some because you've got to go take care of another, who do you call? Who's the first one you call? Mama or sister or brother? Or, that's a base of support. These people know me. They're part of my family. We're, we're in relationship to one another. And, and if, if things get hard, I, I know where to go. I, I know where the house is. I know where the key is if I need to get in the house. And, and, and that's my base of support. Wait a minute. I want you to leave, Abram. I want you to leave your country you're familiar with, and I want you to leave your relatives that are your base of support. You're, you're going to go somewhere where it's not going to be familiar to you and, and your relatives aren't going to be around. So that whenever, so that whenever, whenever you, you have that issue that happens in your life, you're not going to know who to call. You're not, you're not really going to know who to call. Now, we had that experience because we pastored in different places. We moved to different places, didn't know anybody in those places. You know, we've had... I'll never forget one lady in, in a church who were in Mississippi... She's as sweet as could be. She had us over on a Sunday night. And she said, now listen, I know your mama's not here and I know your family's not here, so, but if you ever have an emergency at nighttime, I want you to know that you can call me and Garland. Just call us. We'll be there. Did you, did you know before morning, Lynn had a kidney stone? And I'm having to call her. And, Corrine, you said uh, you'd come. Would you mind coming over here? And her name was Corrine. I promise I'd go. Corrine comes over there. Now, bless her heart. Amen? I didn't have anybody come over there. But it wasn't long after that. We went back to their house, ate at their house on a Sunday night. And once again, Corrine said, listen, if you ever have that emergency, remember, you call me in Garland. Before daylight, 
I had a kidney stone. I am not joking. That's my wife. I had a kidney stone, and we called Corrine again. Corrine, would you come watch our kids? We had two preschool. Would you come watch our kids? And then she came over, bless her heart. The next time we ate at her house, I said, do not tell me that you will be glad to help us. But whenever you, whenever you don't have relatives, you're left out there, it's kind of, it makes you, feel, makes you feel empty because you don't have that basic support. But that's not all. Wait a minute. And go forth from your relatives and from your father's house. Do you know what, you know what for the Jewish culture, the, their father's house was the stabilizing the stabilizing place. I mean, they didn't move around very much. Their father's house was built for them, and they all, many of them all lived there in that house. That was the stabilizing force for them. It was that root place where they could be. He knew without a shadow of a doubt what it meant. And he says, God says to him, I want you to leave your country, I want you to leave your relatives, and I want you to leave your father's house. You're going to have to leave all the, that was the instruction, those three instructions. To do what? Listen, listen to what, this will comfort you. To the land which I will show you. No map. No road map. No plan. I mean, don't you know that Abraham would like to say, well, where on the globe is this? Well, I don't know if y'all realize this, but there weren't any globes at that time. Where, where, in, the, where in the world are we, we going? I mean... How, how far are we going? And, and, and whenever we get on the way, how many times are they going to ask, how much longer is it? How much farther is it? All the way from Ur of Chaldees to the Canaan land. That's, that's where he's got to travel to. I'm not going to give you any instructions. Not, this, this is all you have to know. This is all you have to know. All right? And, and this, this is good advice for us today. All right? He says, I'm not going to give you a map, but just follow me. As long as you don't lose me, you'll be okay. Because I know where I'm going. And I know where I want you to go. That will make you not, not take your eyes off of God, wouldn't it? Whenever you, whenever you don't have any relatives to support you, and you lost all your familiarity, and your stability's all gone, and you're sitting here, and you're out in the middle of nowhere... Uh, Lord, where are you? Lord, where are you? And, and the funny thing about that, whenever God takes him there, listen, it's a long trek and a long trip. And whenever he gets there, he finds out that where he's going to go, where he's going to have to end up, is going to be in desert land. He's going to end up in the desert. Well, God, why, why did you take me to the desert? Other people had this better. Why'd you? God, well, I'll tell you one thing about God. If you ever go to Israel, have y'all been to Israel? If you ever been to Israel, I can tell you one thing about God. He likes rocks. <laughs> he likes rocks. There are rocks everywhere in Israel. I mean, like you see beautiful pasture land here that's green and everything else. You don't see that in Israel. You see pasture land with rocks everywhere. The cows are all walking around the rocks to get the grass. God likes rocks. And he takes him out there to the Canaan land, to the desert land. But, but you know what? He told him what to do, and he instructed, and he told him, I promise you three things. Listen what he promises him. These are good promises. First thing, I will make you a great nation. I will make you 
a great nation. That means he's going to have a, a posterity. He, he's going to have a posterity. Now, now, interesting thing about when he, when he tells him this, when he tells Abraham this, how, how many children, y'all remember his story, how many children Abraham had at this time? Zero. You know how old he is? Down there in verse 5. I think it's verse 5 it'll tell you. How, how old was he? It'll tell you in verse 5. I think it's five, 4, 5, 6, around there. What was it? 75. He's 75, all right? Now, hold on. All, all my senior adults right here, I want you to look up at me right now, okay? I know you're, you're thinking in your, in your 70s and your 80s, you think you're through. Let me tell you something. Abraham just got started. At 75, he's taking a trek across Canaan land. He, he's going to have a baby at 100. William, you hear me? You hear me, William? Wake up over there. Don't tell me you, God can't use you. God can use you. He can, hold, hold on a second. He says, I'm going to make you a great nation. At that time, he doesn't have a, doesn't have a child. doesn't have a person. I'm going to do that for you. Here's the other thing. I will bless you. I'm going to make you prosperous. I'm going to make you prosperous. I'm going to, I'm going to pour out upon you greater things than you could ever anticipate. Whenever you plant something, it's not going to come up just what would naturally happen. I'm going to add to whatever you plant. Well, whatever, whatever you're about, I'm going to just bless it. How many of y'all want to be blessed by God? For those of you that put your hand up, put your foot up, do something, all right? You want to be blessed by God. All of us want to be blessed by God. Don't we want God to multiply what we're doing? Absolutely. He promises him, listen... I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you, and I will make your name great. Your name will be known throughout human history. Your name will be known throughout all the peoples of the world. Is that true? And I think about that with Abraham. Is that true of Abraham? Is that true of Abraham? Absolutely true. There's some messed up things that happen around with Abraham's life. We'll see that. I mean, he wasn't a perfect man by any means. He, he, he was the one who said, told his wife, act like you're my sister because you sure are pretty and I don't want him to kill me over you. Remember that? He didn't do it just once. He did it twice. I mean, he's got all kind of issues and problems in, in regard to things. But, but in regard to him, I, I want to tell you, he's a glorious man and, and everybody knows him. You know why? He's not only the father of the nation of Israel, he's the father of, of the Arabs. <laughs> both of them claim him as their founding father, and both of them are right. And everywhere in this world, whether Jewish, whether Christian, whether Arab, Muslim, the name of Abraham is elevated. Did God fulfill that? Did God, did God do that? God. So those three promises, God said, if you'll do what I tell you to do, if you'll go where I tell you to go, and I know it's not going to be easy, if you'll do it, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I promise you I'm going to do these things for you. He did, and God did. Amen? Now, let me show you something really interesting. Notice what it says here in verse 2. It changes something here. It says, I will make your name great. Look what it says. And so, and so, circle those two words, and so you shall be a blessing. Now, 
What, what is that? Why would I have you circle and so? Because and so, that form and, and the way that's put together is based on a decision of what Abraham is going to do. In other words, God said, if you will be obedient, if you will be obedient and, and, and do these instructions, I'm going to bless you. But he says also, if you're going to do this and you'll be faithful in doing this and in following me, I'm going, I'm going to do something extra special. I'm going to give you some promises beyond that. And so, and so if you do this, if you'll be faithful and do this, I'm going to, I'm going to make you a greater blessing than what you can even imagine. And he gives him three promises. Three promises. Listen, listen to what the promises are. It says, and so you shall be a blessing. Here's promise number one. I will bless those who bless you. Did you hear that? God said, I'm not just going to bless you. I'm going to bless everybody who blesses you. Anybody, any people, any person, any nation who chooses to bless you, to be good to you, I'm going to be good to them. Amen, hallelujah. All right? That's why I always, I always want to be on Israel's side. Amen? <laughs> I just, I just want to be on Israel's side. I, I, want, I want to be far. I don't ever want to be against them. I, I want to be far of them. I, I don't mean they're always righteous, but, but God's going to have to deal with that with them. Amen? But, but I, I want to be one who blesses Abraham's people. And, and, and he says, if they bless you, I will bless them. And, and you'll, see that in, you'll see that in the Word of God where that happens where they, somebody chooses to bless and, and to bless Abraham and his people, and they get blessed. Here's a second promise, though. Listen to what it says. Not only will I bless those who bless you, and the one who curses you, I will curse. That's God's protection. If somebody stands up against you, if somebody's going to hinder you, then I want you to know this, they're going to be standing up against me. Now, it's one thing to fight against Abraham, isn't it? It's another thing to fight against the God of Abraham. It's one thing to oppose Abraham. It's another thing when God's the one on his back shoulder who's backing him up. And he says, I'm going to protect you. If somebody curses you, I will curse them. Listen to the third thing he goes on and says. And this is really special for us. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Abraham, if you'll do what I told you to do, if you'll be obedient to what I told you to do, you'll go where I want you to go and you'll do that, then I want you to know this. All the, fam- all the families of the world will be blessed. Well, we know that's happened, amen? How, how has that happened? Because the seed of Abraham, through the seed of Abraham, we have the Lord Jesus Christ. And through him, Abraham, his people, the Jewish people, there's going to be one who comes who's going to bless all the families of the earth. When Jesus came, he came to die for the sins of every man, of all people, of all tongues, all tribes, so that every man would have the opportunity to be saved. Every person would have the opportunity to have a relationship with a holy God and to be able to go to heaven one day. Did did God fulfill that? Absolutely he fulfilled that. Why? Why? Because Abraham was faithful. Because look what it says. This is the key part of these verses. Verse 4. After God made all those promises, made all those instructions, everything else. So Abraham went forth as the Lord had spoken to him. What did he do? 
He was obedient. He left his father's house, yes. He left his relatives, yes. He left his familiar country, yes. To do what? To follow God. This God who speaks to him. To where? He doesn't know. Wouldn't you like to heard somebody ask him along the way, Hey, Abraham, where are you headed? I have no idea. (laughs) When will you know you get there? I don't know. I I guess when he stops. I'll I'll know I I got there. He, He obeyed. He went forth as the Lord had spoken to him. Go on. And Lot went with him, his nephew... Now, Abram, well, here it is, wait a minute, here. Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. 75 years old to do what God told him to do. To hear the voice of God, to leave the familiar, to leave security, to leave those people who back you up, to do what God said. And God said, I will make you a great nation. I'm going to do that. I'm going to... I'm going to give you a great name. I'm, I'm, going, to, I'm going to do that for you. I'm, I'm going to bless you in everything you turn about. And, and, and because you're going to do this, I'm going to bless all other people. Bless those who bless you. Curse those who curse you. And I'm going to bless the whole world through one who's coming through you. His name Jesus. If we didn't read any other passage about Abraham than that right there, that's a man to mimic. Amen? That's some wonderful examples to follow. As I said, as we discover him, and we'll go verse by verse through that, as we discover his life, he is not perfect. But he is a man who who heard the voice of God and who did what God told him to do. I think that's a pretty, I think that's a pretty good key for all of us. How, how do you live successfully in life? Hear the voice of God and do what he tells you to do. Amen? Just hear the voice of God and do what he tells you to do. Father, thank you for truth. Thank you for your word. Thank you for a special time to share with our precious people. And may we heed the word and live lives like Abraham, hearing your voice, being obedient to your voice, being blessed in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Have a good rest of the week.